seated. Well, it is so good to be with you this evening. Um, I missed you, so I've been traveling for the last uh, five weeks or so. Uh, it's always encouraging to travel because you, especially for a pastor, I get to run into churches and meet people who have been praying for a Redeemer online. Did you know that? We have, we have people around the world who are praying for this body of believers. But it's also good to travel because you can't wait to come home. And I loved the churches that I got to visit while I was in the U.S., but I love this church. And I love being a pastor at this church. And so it is so, so good to be here with you. Our text this evening, we're taking a break from our series in the book of Genesis uh, to look at a one-time sermon. So this isn't a new series. It's a one-time sermon in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. If you have a Bible or on your phone, I'd encourage you to pull it up. It also will be projected on the screen behind me. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Lord God, this is your word. Lord, we are thankful that we have it. You have not hidden your word from us, but you have revealed it to us. Lord, the heavens declare the glory of God, and then you speak. You speak to us, and it's captured in this book we call the Bible. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for the teaching of Jesus. As we look at treasure, God, I pray that you will help us to live like Christians with our treasure. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're entering into assessment time for many of our students, for many of our teachers. So here's an assessment question for you. True or false? How would you answer this? True or false? Human beings love money. True or false? Would you say it's true? Everyone, human beings love money. Would you say false? No human being loves money. Would you want to nuance it and pick the sometimes human beings love money or some human beings love money? How would you answer it? If I were taking that assessment, here's what I would say. False. Human beings do not love money. Does that surprise you? It's a bit of a trick question because there's a lot of people who do love money, but they don't love money for itself. No one loves money for the paper or for the coins. They love what it gives them. People love money because it can get stuff for them, whether that's the material things, the latest phone, the biggest house, the fanciest car, 
or whether it's the immaterial things, the sense of security, the comfort, the ease, the sense that I'm doing right by my family. People don't love money for money. Money is a means to an end. And that's why people want money, is to get that end. The paper money and the coin money that we have in our wallets and in our pockets, it's a symbol. The number that you see on your banking app when you open it up, that's a symbol. It's a symbol for what we value. It's a symbol for what that figure or what those pieces of paper and coins can get us or they can't get us because we don't have enough of them. In this way, money reveals things about us. Money reveals things to us. It reveals specifically what we want. Money reveals what we love. Money reveals who we are. Money reveals who we serve. And Jesus was not naive about money. In fact, Jesus talked about money a lot. Money's not just another topic for him. Jesus talked about money in surprising ways. He commands people to give their possessions away. Story of the rich young ruler tells him, give all that you have away. He says money is actually a dangerous thing to have. Again, story of the rich young ruler, how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a warning for those of us who would want to be rich. But he also talks about the benefits of money. He says in the Gospel of Luke that you can use money in order to bless those around you and welcome them even by your generosity and by your service into eternal dwellings. Jesus talks a lot about money in the Gospels. Author Randy Alcorn wrote a number of good books, but he went through the Gospels and looked and numbered every time Jesus talks about money, and here's what he found. He says, 15% of everything Christ said relates to this topic of money and possessions and treasure, more than his teachings on heaven and hell combined. Jesus talked about money more than Jesus talked about heaven and hell. If this is the case, then we should take money seriously. We should take money as seriously as Jesus does. Christians should know, what does Jesus think about our money? Today we're looking at, we just read Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. These words, they fall in the middle of a famous section of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus teaching on life in the kingdom. He's talking to kingdom citizens, and he's describing what do people in the kingdom live like? How do people in the kingdom think? How do people in the kingdom of God, how do they value things? And one of the areas that the kingdom of God affects its citizens' lives is in the area of how they think about their stuff, how they think about their possessions, how they think about their treasures. According to these verses, the way that we treat our earthly possessions, the things that we have here in this life, reveals things to us and reveals things about us. And as we work through this text, we're going to look at three ways that we see that this is true. First, in verses 19 through 21, we're going to see that our treasure reveals what we love. Our treasure reveals what we love. Second, we're going to look at how our eye reveals who we are verses 22 through 23. Verse 24, we're going to wrap up by looking at our money reveals who we serve. 
Our treasure reveals what we love. Our eye reveals who we are. Our treasure reveals who we serve. So let's jump in and look at the first point. Our treasure reveals what we love. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 19 is a negative command. Don't lay up treasures on earth. Verse 20 is a positive command. Instead, lay up treasures in heaven. And verse 21 gives the reason. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are treasures, though? What is Jesus talking about here? Treasures are riches. They are wealth. In the ancient world, they didn't have First Abu Dhabi Bank. They didn't have Emirates MBD. They didn't have banking apps. They used storehouses. So they would have coins, they had currency, but they also determined wealth based upon things like crops. Right? How, how, much, how much wheat do you have in your barn? Based upon precious objects that would be passed down from one family to the next. Riches, gold, silver, treasures. Treasures are the accumulation of those things. Right? You have a treasure, and then you have treasures, and they're kept in what's called treasuries. The word indicates a collection of wealth. Where are you putting your stuff? How are you keeping it? So when Jesus talks about laying up treasures, he's talking about accumulating riches and then storing them in a place. And look at the difference between where we lay up treasures. When we store up treasures on earth, we open ourselves up for loss. When we store up treasures on earth, it's risky. Moths, they destroy our accumulated clothing. Rust destroys our accumulated metals. Thieves can steal our accumulated jewels. All of these threatened treasures stored up on earth, and none of these threatened treasures stored up in heaven. Heaven is a more secure location for our treasure than earth. As the Apostle Peter puts it, earthly treasures are perishable. Heavenly riches are imperishable. They won't fade. And then look what Jesus says next. If you look at verse 21, we, we should store up treasures in heaven, not just because it's a more secure place. It's not just because that's really what the wise people will do. It's secure. It's locked up. That's the expensive vault. It's not that. Look at verse 21. For, because... Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. According to Jesus, we should store up treasures in heaven because our heart goes with our treasure. Where our treasure is, you're going to find our heart. My family, we, we just returned from visiting the U.S., as I said, and one of the most stressful parts of coming back is trying to figure out what stuff am I going to bring with me back to the UAE. Every year, I think it's not going to be stressful, and every time I've done it, it's incredibly stressful because you have X amount of space, X amount of weight, and I have far more stuff than I think that I do, and it doesn't fit into the bag. Well, one of the things that we were planning on bringing back this time was a treasured nativity set. 
Laura and I got it as a uh, wedding gift. So we've had it for 10 years, and it's very special to us. It's a beautiful nativity set. The nativity set would be Jesus, Mary, and Joseph at the birth of Christ, surrounded by some of the animals. We love Christmas in our family. We love decorating for Christmas. Last year, Laura went to Lulu and got a nativity set, and it just didn't cut it. Some of the faces were a little weird looking and deformed. The shepherds looked more like Irishmen than Jewish shepherds. So we thought, we are not putting that out next year. We are going to bring our nativity set back with us. But this was a special item for us. So how did I pack it? Well, I left it in the box. I could have saved a lot of space, brought back more stuff if I would have taken it out of the box, but it might have gotten broken. So I left it in the box, and then I put it in the most secure area, surrounded by cushy objects like clothes and towels. I made sure that it was secure so it didn't slide around. And when I'm loading it on the airplane trolley for them to take away, I'm looking and I'm like, man, I hope, I hope it doesn't break. When I got it off, I wanted to look inside right away and be like, I, I hope nothing happened to this. Why did I go through that trouble? It's because my heart was with that nativity set. It was there in the bag with it. Now that nativity set is not the most expensive object that I brought back with me. My phone costs far more than my nativity set, and I just threw it there on the security thing when we're walking through. I could have left it. But I don't value my phone as much as that nativity set. My phone is a tool. That set is a treasure because of all the memories that we have associated with it. Storing up treasures in heaven means that we assign the greatest value to what we will experience in the next life. Storing up treasures in heaven means that we value more than anything on earth God and the enjoyment of God throughout all eternity. When our heart is with God, our treasure is in heaven. Storing up treasure on earth means that we assign greatest value to the things of earth. That the things that matter most to us are temporary, fleeting, and passing. And this is exactly what the Pharisees did. Our, our verse falls within a section where Jesus is critiquing the hypocrites. The Pharisees who practice good deeds so that others can see. They pray long prayers so that others can hear them. They give, not because they want to, but so they can be seen by others. When they're fasting, they let everybody know so that people think those are the spiritual ones. They were living for the praise of man in this life. And Jesus says, that's what they get. That's the treasure that they have, and it will die with them because God sees through their hypocrisy and will judge them. Our treasure reveals what we love. If you sacrifice your family for the sake of your job, it shows that you value your job or what your job can get you more than your family. If you lie to be able to maintain your reputation to those around you, it shows that you care more about what people think about you than obedience to God and what God thinks about you. If you're willing to sacrifice relationships with those around you in order to maintain your health, then it shows that you value your health more than your relationships. But when we are willing to sacrifice temporary blessings, blessings they may be, but temporary blessings, for the sake of eternal gain, we show that our treasure is actually Christ. 
We are not trying to get the most out of this life. We are willing to sacrifice things in this life in order to enjoy Christ forever. Our treasure reveals what we love. That's point one. The next point we see is Jesus' words that our eye reveals who we are. Our eye reveals who we are. Look at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. What does Jesus mean when he talks about the eye being the lamp of the body? I think the surrounding verses, what comes before and what comes after, helps us here. In verse 19 and 21, we just saw Jesus is talking about storing up treasures in heaven, valuing things of eternity. In verse 24, Jesus is going to talk about money. So when Jesus says the eye, I don't think he's shifting gears completely and talking about the physical organ. I think the eye is an organ. It's always intimidating to talk about medical stuff or biological stuff when you're in an environment like this. The physical thing that's right there, he's not talking about that. I think what he's talking about is he's using it like a symbol, like a metaphor. He's saying something like setting our sights on an object. Our eyes look after things, right? We see things. We, we focus on things. Our eye follows our desires in that way. If you're continuously looking through feeds of social media, you're setting your eye on a vision of a good life. We walk past the windows of the mall and we set our eyes on an image of ourselves that could be produced by that outfit. We watch movies and television, sports, setting our eyes on entertainment or on beauty or things that we find interesting. And what we set our eyes on, what we look after, reveals the state of our hearts. If you're continuously looking after things of darkness, it shows that inside you is darkness. If you're continually looking after things of light, it reveals that your whole body is full of light. The things that we look at say something about who we are. They both shape us, so the more we look at darkness, the darker we become, and they reveal things about us. Dark people look at dark things. When a public figure messes up, we often hear them say something like, that's not the real me. That wasn't the real me. It might be someone who says something public on social media, something offensive, they get backlash for it, and they say, I apologize for that. That's not the real me. That's not who I am. If you guys only knew who I was, you wouldn't assume that about me. Or a politician gets caught in a scandal. That's not the real me. I'm sorry. Or an athlete gets caught cheating. That's not the real me. I'm sorry. The implication to this confession is that this thing that these people were setting their sights on and doing, the thing they were focusing on, was out of step with their character. It was out of step with their nature. But that's the exact opposite that Jesus is saying. What Jesus says here is the things you go after reveals who you are. The things you set your minds on, the thing you set your eyes upon, that says, what sort of person are you? If you look to earthly things day in and day out, if you spend all of your focus looking for this life to satisfy you with wealth and riches and comfort and prosperity, 
then you know what it shows? It shows you're an earthly person inside. It shows you're a worldly person. But if you are setting your eyes like Moses, if you live like Moses, who, as Hebrews says, chose rather to be mistreated with the, fleeting, with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, why? Because he was looking to the reward of Christ. Then it shows that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We live like Paul, who wrote, This light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. And we live looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that is set before us was willing to endure earthly loss for the sake of eternal gain. Christians look to Christ and his kingdom. And what we will find is that when you focus on, when your eye is set on the things of Christ and on Christ himself, you begin to look more like Christ. On the inside, you begin to be conformed to his image, to be shaped to his image. Our eye reveals who we are. And then finally, let's look at our last point here. Our money reveals who we serve. Jesus is very direct here. He doesn't mince words. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What Jesus is saying here is straight out of the Old Testament. You shall have no other gods before me. Just like the Old Testament Israelites could not serve Yahweh and Baal, so we cannot serve God and money. If you have God as your master, then money cannot be your master. What does it mean to serve money? Most of us don't think this way when we think about money. Most of us think that money is our servant. After all, we do stuff with our money. We want money to be able to serve us, right? Wrong. Money becomes our master when it controls the way that we live, when it dominates our decisions in life, when it becomes the most real thing in our world, impacting every decision that we make, we realize we are enslaved to money. Money is our master. Imagine talking to a drug addict, a drug addict, and you're trying to understand his world, and, and he knows, right, that he has a drug problem, but he looks and he thinks, I am the master of these drugs, right? I, I don't serve these drugs. These drugs serve me. After all, I'm the one who uses them, right? But you look at his life and you think, you are enslaved to this, friend, right? right? You, you spend all your time focusing on getting high. You go from one day to the next looking for the next high. You're willing to spend your money. You're willing to risk your reputation, your health. You're willing to risk your future in order to get high. You may think that drugs are serving you. It's the other way around. You are serving drugs. Drugs have become your master. Money is the choice drug of the UAE. We leave our families in pursuit of it. 
We jump from one job to the next, hoping to get more of it. We take out costly loans to accumulate more of it. We fantasize about better opportunities and the life that we could lead if we only got that next job, if we only got a bump in our salary. We sacrifice our health, our friendship, our community, our walk with God even, in our pursuit of money. In all of this, we reveal that money's our master, and we haven't been serving God at all. You cannot serve both God and money. It's a scary thought. So I want to wrap up with four ways in which we can keep that from happening. Four ways in which we can keep money from becoming our master. Four ways in which we can store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. First, be a faithful steward of the treasure that you have received from your master. Be a faithful steward of the treasure that you have received from your master. Do you know what a steward is? A steward is someone who is not the owner of an object, but they've been entrusted with a responsibility or entrusted with a particular object. If your company gives you a phone, you're not the owner of that phone, right? They are entrusting you to be able to use that for work purposes, to be able to have it on you so that you can be available for them. You can't just do whatever you want with that phone. You can't say, oh, it's my phone. I'm going to sell it to somebody else and get something else. No. It's the company's phone. You're the steward of that phone. Stewards are accountable for what they have. They're not the owners of what they have. They don't set the pace. They respond to what's been commanded. And we go wrong as humans when we think that earthly treasure belongs to us. It doesn't. It all belongs to God. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to God. Your money is not your money. And if this is true, then you're not the one who gets to decide how you use your money. Ultimately, you are accountable to God for how you will use your money. You must use it in the way that your master commands you to use it. And this shift in mentality changes everything. Because before you spend your money, you should have a little bit of a check to say, is this honoring to God? It's his money. After all, it's not my money. I'm not free to do with it whatever I will. I'm going to give an account before God for how I used this money. God has entrusted you with money to be used for his glory money to be used for the good of others, and in moderation, money to be used for your own enjoyment. It is a gift. Right? God, isn't, God isn't ashamed when we buy things that we can enjoy, but that's one purpose of money, not the only purpose of money. We are stewards. Second, be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. How do you keep treasure from becoming your master? Listen to Hebrews 13. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The way that we keep our life free from love of money, the way that we are content with what we have, 
is by recognizing God's generous presence and God's generous provision. The way that we can be content is by recognizing that God has already given us the greatest gift of all time. If you are in this room and you are a Christian, then you have the greatest wealth imaginable. This is what Paul says in Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God gave you the greatest object of wealth in Christ. He didn't spare that. So you can be content even when all that you have is Christ. The way that we find contentment is by recognizing God's gift of grace in Jesus. Listen to how Paul puts it in Philippians 4. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The all things that Paul can do through him who strengthens him is not, I can get this job through him. It's not, I am prosperous through him. It is, I can be content being poor through him. I can abound and still be content, not wanting more. When Christ is your treasure, you don't have to look elsewhere for it because you have it. Christian, God loved you so much that before the foundation of the world, he set his affection upon you. The eternal God chose you in him before foundation of the world. And then at the right time, he sent Christ in this world to be poor so that he might make you eternally rich. He suffered and died in your place so that through faith in him, you might have life and riches with God in heaven forever as you enjoy him in his presence. That's fuel for contentment because you know that right now, no matter how poor you are, no matter how little money you have, no matter how big the bills you have to pay are, God has promised he will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you and he's with you. Even if it means dying poor, God hasn't left you. Third, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is the way that we fight to money, to keep money from being a master. Live a life that's ultimately concerned with glorifying God. Have that be your main goal in life. Not to do stuff with money, but to glorify God. Pursue holiness. Meditate on the word day and night. Practice hospitality. Serve one another. Give generously. Observe all that Jesus commanded. The way in which we store up treasures in heaven is by assigning appropriate value to the right things. The things that God cares about. Be impressed with godliness, not earthly greatness. Be impressed with righteousness when you see it, not earthly riches. Be impressed with wisdom, not earthly wealth. I don't care how rich people in the world may be. If they are unrighteous, you shouldn't be impressed with them. <laughs> you should think, I don't want that life. Be impressed with the right things. Love the things that God loves. Finally, kill the love of money through sacrificial generosity. 
kill the love of money through sacrificial generosity. The way in which you loosen earthly treasure's grip on your life is by giving it away, is by letting go of it. When I say generosity, I I don't mean giving money away in order to get more money back in this life. That's not generosity. That's investing. The most harmful product of the prosperity gospel, this false gospel that's taught in America and in Africa and all over the world, the most harmful part about it is that it only encourages love of money in its hearers. It promises you earthly treasure in this life. It makes you love money. If a pastor promises you that Jesus will, guaranteed, will make you rich and happy and healthy in this life, then what he is doing is preaching a false gospel that will kill your soul. He is not a preacher of the true God. He is a preacher of the false god, money. And if you follow him, you will follow him right to hell. Because that's where your treasure is. It will die with you. Jesus died homeless in this life. Paul was executed by the Roman Empire. So was Peter. John was sent to the island of Patmos to die. Herod killed James with a sword. These great men of the Christian life died dirt poor in this life and eternally rich in the next. No, we we don't give money away in order to get more money back. We give money away in order to get more of God because that's our treasure. That's what we want. Through sacrificial generosity, we experience the beauty and pleasure of knowing God being part of his family. He satisfies us with himself in a way that earthly treasure never can. At Redeemer Online, here's, here's a promise. I think, I, I hope and pray it's true. A promise is we will never pressure you to give to our church through guilt. And we will never try to motivate you to give to our church through false promises of prosperity. The best motivation I can give is this. When you give to Redeemer Online or you give to another organization, when you give help to those who are in need around you, when you sacrificially give your money, here's the best motivation I can give you. You get more of God. You get more pleasure and enjoyment of God. You will never regret that decision for the rest of eternity. Generosity kills the love of money. Where your treasure is, Christian, there your heart will be also. May we live a life of faith, looking to God as our treasure and storing our treasure with him in heaven. Lord God, we thank you that you are our joy and our crown. You are our treasure. And Lord, like we see in Revelation, we see the kings of the earth coming and laying their treasures down before you because you are worth it all. May we live lives focused on that treasure, walking by faith even when we cannot see it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.